me there, Alan? Well, I feel a bit like, I don't know if it's tiredness, but um, talking to uh, Belle and Remy in the lead-up to this, uh, the, the wedding analogy comes up a little bit. Like, it's like there's this ceremonial uh, ritual dimension to what we're doing that... Um, makes it a little bit like a wedding in some ways. And I don't know about you, uh, those of you who've been married, uh, but I have very little memory of um, my wedding because I sort of feel like I floated through it. And I, I feel like a bit floaty this morning. I don't know if I'm super happy about uh, the rain. But anyway, I've just prepared a few uh, reflections for, for this morning because I think it's going to be quite a full morning and we want to get to lunch as well. Anyway, as I anticipated uh, coming together this morning uh, and celebrating the commitment um, that, that Belle and, and Remy have made to Jesus, uh, anticipated uh, you know, a great service in, in a baptism service, my mind was taken to uh, this story that comes from John's account of Jesus' time uh, on earth. And John was a friend and disciple of Jesus, and he wrote uh, one of the books that we find in the New Testament, John's Gospel. And he tells this story about uh, a man named Nicodemus who comes to see Jesus. And you can find this story in, in the third chapter of John. And Nicodemus was, was a Pharisee, so he was like a, a religious leader. If you, if you like. But more than, than that, he was a member of what's called the, the sort of the, the religious council. And um, it's maybe not the most sort of flattering analogy, but Israel was what we would call like a theocratic state. Uh, so we have a separation between, you know, religion and state in the way that we do government. Uh, but it wasn't that way in Israel. And so the role that Nicodemus had was maybe a little bit like, and this is the, the unflattering uh, sort of comparison, maybe a little bit like an Ayatollah in Iran. So not only does he have some sort of spiritual authority, but he's got some real power, actually, some real political power. And the story tells of this Pharisee, this member of the Jewish ruling council, Nicodemus, coming to see Jesus under the cover of night. And the suggestion is that uh, he's doing that because there could be some sort of political fallout uh, for, for his association with this upstart, young, uh, prophetic, spiritual leader, uh, this young rabbi, Jesus. Um, and so he comes to Jesus this night and he says, teacher or rabbi, we know that you come from God, for no one could perform the signs that you are doing, the miraculous signs that you are doing, if they were not from God. And Jesus replies to Nicodemus very truly. I've got it on the screen, so you can read it. Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God. No one can see what God is doing. No one can receive and step into the work that God is doing in the world unless they are born again. And that phrase, born again, might have some resonance for you this morning with what we've just been doing uh, in, the, in the baptism. This idea that we talked about that the waters of baptism sort of represent going into the grave and coming up 
into new life. Now, if you find that slightly confusing language, and I think a fair bit about this stuff, to be honest, I still do. Uh, Nicodemus also found it a little bit confusing. And so Nicodemus responds to Jesus by saying, how can someone be born if they are already old? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus responds to Nicodemus, almost sort of repeating part of what he's already said. He says, very truly, I tell you, again, no one can enter the kingdom. No one can see what God is doing and come into it and receive it fully unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. Jesus goes on, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. What I think Jesus is doing here is he's actually naming two realities. The first reality that he is naming uh, is the fleshly reality. Flesh gives birth to flesh. I think he's speaking here to the fact that whether we're Angela Merkel or the Ayatollah Khamenei or Cristiano Ronaldo or Michael Jackson or you or me or our neighbour or the person sleeping in the park at the bottom of our street, we all come into the world in a similar way. We all, even in the age of test tube babies um, and adoption and all sorts of variances, we all share a biological father and a biological mother. There's a kind of material, physical, fleshly reality to the way that we come into the world. We're all born of flesh, to use this sort of slightly religious-sounding language that we find here in Scripture. We all share the gift of life. We all um, share the gift of the sensible world and being able to interact with it, the beauty and the wonder of the sensible and sensual world, the smell of coffee, the sound of rain, either on a tin roof or on a dry uh, paddock, um, the taste of a good Barossa Shiraz, whatever your thing is. If you think about something that's good in the world that you have access to with your senses, other human beings share that same capacity, right, to interact with the world in that way, in a fleshly or material way. The flip side of this is that we also can share in that which is not beautiful, pain and suffering. So while life holds great opportunity for joy and beauty and wonder, we know that it doesn't always work out like that for all of us. And to varying degrees, we all understand pain and even suffering. We might also have some understanding of the fact that there can be a sense in which life sort of can seem unfulfilled. Sometimes it is pain and suffering that points to that for us. But sometimes we can tap into a longing of the heart which doesn't seem to have a material response or answer, right? We can want for something and not quite be able to put our finger on that which we want for. This sort of led me to thinking 
about the fact that in the same way that there's a commonality in the way that we come into the world in this fleshly or material sense, there's also a commonality in the way that we go out of it, whether we're buried under the ground or whether our body is incinerated, whether we die at sea. Our body breaks down somehow. It has an end to it and it goes back in to the material world, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. This is where I begin, I, I believe that the, the, the life of the spirit or the reality of the spirit that Jesus is pointing to comes into play. I don't know if you've heard of people speak of death as though it's some kind of an imposter or whether that's resonated with you. The language uh, of death being somehow a stranger, death being a mystery. Uh, and it is a mystery, even though we get old, the fact that someone can be there with the spark of life and light in their eyes in one moment and be gone the next. It can put us in touch with the fact that there seems to be something unjust about that. It can put us in touch with the fact that there seems to be something unjust or wrong about suffering. And I want to suggest this morning that this is the story of the Bible, actually, that there is something wrong about these things, that it wasn't actually God's intention that we should die, that it isn't God's intention that those um, amongst us should suffer, that there is, in fact, something more that we don't always have access to in the fleshly or material sense of our life. In fact, the story of the Bible, uh, long though it is, told over a variety of books, paints a broader picture that says that these things, the pain and suffering that we experience, the sense of incompleteness that life might have, the longing that our hearts might have for more, are a result of the fact that so often we as humans, we live in the fleshly or material realm to the neglect of the spiritual realm. We go about our lives feeding our material and fleshly appetites. And as a result, we bring pain into the world. And in some deep and mysterious sense, the scripture also talks to the fact that this is the reason why there's death in the world. Because we live in a material sense in a fleshly sense, and we neglect the spiritual. The story of the Bible is one that speaks of God inviting us to live in that spiritual reality. And that's part of the mystery of what we've observed today, that if you speak to Belle and Remy, and you listen to their story, there's this sense that they've been invited into a new life. And I would suggest that that is into this spiritual reality that Jesus is pointing to. And if you continue to read John chapter 3 here, the context of this conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus, it might not surprise you to come upon these words that Jesus speaks that are actually probably the most famous words in the whole of the Christian scripture. Where Jesus to Nicodemus says in John 3, 16 to 17, 
For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. What Jesus is saying here is that if we can accept him, if we can accept this reality that God actually, God the creator, loves the creation, he loves us as human beings as a part of that creation, then we can come in to this spiritual reality. And in fact, in that reality, we needn't die, but can grasp eternal life. If we can accept that Jesus, if we can accept Jesus, we can be reborn into a spiritual and eternal reality that brings life back into the material world that is so often full of death, that can begin to redress suffering, that can offer hope, and in do that, undo the power of death. And I believe this is part of what we've heard in Remy and Bell's stories this morning, that they have grasped a hope that for all the pain and suffering in this world, it need not end here. And in fact, they have seen in Jesus Christ that God is offering something that is eternal, something that is good, not just in some far-off future, but that begins to spring into reality as soon as we can accept this gift from God. This isn't about religion, something that occurred to me as I pondered these things. Nicodemus coming to Jesus in this story is a very religious man and yet at least at the beginning of the story he stands on the outside of this mystery. Jesus has to induct him into it. Jesus has to show him the way into this new life. I was so aware um, hearing the encouraging stories of Belle and Remy just uh, last week as we shared a meal together that I, as someone who kind of lives and breathes this stuff, I sometimes need a flushing out. I wouldn't say that it would be useful for me to be baptised again, but when I hear the joy and hope, the freshness of what Belle and Remy are grasping at the moment, it reminds me that I can let my soul get a bit dusty, right? And actually, um, we, we need to enter again and again into this reality of hope that God offers us through Jesus I think this is something sort of universal of the human condition, that we are drawn into living into the material, into the fleshly all the time. But God would call us to lift our eyes and to see the extension of hope to live, the invitation to live in the spiritual. On um, Thursday, Wednesday night, Thursday Cheryl and my wife, the kids and I, we drove up to visit some friends in Bundaberg and we went through the most amazing storm and it was wonderful. You know, it's sort of, as a Queenslander, um, after everything that, you know, the nation's been through in terms of the fires and the drought, uh, there was this sense, speaking of the, you know, sometimes life seems to be missing something, things seem wrong, feeling uh you know, rain smashed down on our car as we drove up the highway. Uh, there was this sense in this is the way things should be around here, right? The, the summer storm that rolls in at the end of the day. It was a reminder to me that I need to get my windscreen uh, wiper blades replaced and uh, that's not something that's occurred to me for quite a long time. 
like, I was pretty close to pulling over and I'm not really a pullover kind of guy. Um, but anyway, absolutely amazing. And then we get up to the red dirt of Childers and the cane fields and uh, so nice to see, you know, thunderclouds and, and damp ground around those farms. And when we got to Bundaberg, we said to our friends, have you guys had rain? Uh, isn't this wonderful? And they said, actually, um, it's just gone around Bundaberg all week. Um, and Bundaberg, I don't really associate with the drought. You know, it's a coastal, um, sort of subtropical uh, town. But uh, the reality of Bundaberg was quite uh, astounding, actually, that there wasn't any lawns in the whole uh, town that we could see, that people's, what used to be their lawns was dust, right? And uh, we went uh, to have a barbecue in the park, and it was one of those moments where I was almost amazed that they took us to this park, you know, as something good to do. Because our parks here in Brisbane are pretty green compared to what the park in Bundaberg looked like. It was dust. It sort of looked like um, the kind of, uh, you know, field that you might see in the interior where, it, you know, it's, it's sort of semi-arid. And um, as it turned out, just that night after the, the barbecue in the Dust Bowl, uh, a storm did roll in, finally hit Bundaberg, and uh, y you could just sort of feel people's hearts singing as rain finally hit the town. The very uh, next morning, you know, we go out and uh, there's still a bit of water around, some puddles. We enjoyed the day and, and by the end of the day, we were again in that same park and you could begin to see green shoots coming through, right? Just tiny little ones. And it was such a rich picture to me of a spiritual truth, actually, that sometimes our lives can be somewhat <laughs> dusty, somewhat arid, somewhat dry. There is this sense in which we can live in the material and life can seem like there's something lacking. What Jesus wants to do for us what he wanted to do for Nicodemus 2,000 years ago is invite us into a new reality in which it rains, in which it rains, where the water of life that comes from God can be pouring into our hearts, into our lives, and begin to bring green shoots up, will spill out into the material for us. Bless us and those around us. Do we want to do a song, Graham, or are we just going to go to lunch? <laughs> do, you, do you know Ganga Jang uh, <laughs> out on the patio? And, no, that would be fleshly, wouldn't it? Jesus had this thing that he said so regularly about the kingdom of God. It's at hand. Why don't we stand? We're going to close with a song. Then we're going to go and have um, some lunch together. God invites us to begin to live under his spiritual reign in a spiritual reality. He does that most clearly in 
the person of Jesus who breaks into our world and brings those two realities together, the spiritual and the material. And all I would suggest this morning for those of us who might have been walking this road for a while or even those who haven't begun to walk it, consider the invitation that God extends to you in Jesus. That there can be more. That He wants to reign on your life. That He wants to see you flourish. That He wants to bless you. That He wants to give your life ultimate meaning. All it takes is to respond to that invitation from God and Jesus.